You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Anybody grateful today that the same God that defeated sin, death, and the grave is the same God that's alive within us? Is anybody grateful that the miracle-working God of the past, he's still performing miracles right here, right now, and his spirit is among his church? Are you grateful for our miracle-working God, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? We love you, Lord. God, how we love you, Lord. God, we start out our day today, and we conclude our year giving you our worship, giving you our thanks, Acknowledging, Lord, that you are King of kings, Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega. There is no one like you, God. And God, what we know to be true in our lives. Some of us, we've, we've taken you off the throne. We put things on the throne. But today, God, we choose to put you in your rightful place. And we ask that, God, you would show up and that, God, you would present a challenge for us to step into all that you have for us and want for us in this life. Lord, how we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, can we just give Jesus a shout of praise today? I want you to high five a couple of people and say he's good and grab a seat where you are. Well, I want to welcome all seven going on eight locations. Come on, somebody. Eight locations. And I want to welcome everyone watching online. My name is Mark, and I get the privilege of serving as the college and young adult pastor, as well as one of the family ministry pastors here at Grace Family Church. And I'm really excited uh, to preach today. I'm really excited to preach as we get ready to step into the new year. I believe that this message is a little bit of a vision message. It's a message that I believe is gonna give you some vision for your relationship with Jesus. And one of the things I love about preaching on this specific weekend, a message like this is, we're stepping into the new year, not learning the vision, but I believe executing it. And I believe that God wants to give you some vision in the new year. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 12 for our time. So if you have an app, if you got the GFC app, or if you use the Bible app or whatever it may have, you go ahead and make your way there. Hebrews chapter 12, and as you're making your way there, I wanna speak to all of our young adults, all the young adults here at Grace Family Church. I wanna invite you out to our worship night. January 9th at 7.30, the exchange is having a worship night at the Carrollwood campus. I'm telling you, you wanna be in the room, you wanna invite someone, and let me just clarify and be specific. This is just young adults, okay? I love you all but it's just for our young adults. Let's jump into the word today. Hebrews chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews, he says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race. Somebody say the race. The race that God has set before us, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Today, I wanna speak from this simple idea, run the race. 
run the race. Would you do me this favor? Would you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, neighbor? Be careful how you say this, though. You need to start running. Maybe don't say that to your wife, fellas. Maybe don't say that to your wife. Maybe don't say that to your wife. I'm sure, um, just like me, many of you, going into the new year, you, you set goals and maybe even make a new year's resolution. In this past year, I had one simple goal, and it was to start uh, training and preparing to run a race called the Savage Race. And maybe you've heard of the Savage Race before. This isn't just an ordinary race. This is a seven and a half to nine mile run and you're climbing over 35 plus obstacles, you're climbing through different things, crawling through different things, and you're doing this all while trudging through mud. But as I started coming to this idea, I, I need to train for this thing, I started to train, but just like many of you, what I learned to be true is I hate running. <laughs> so that didn't last very long. But you know, after a while, I was like, I'm gonna be all right. I, I don't need to train for this. I'm a, I'm a former, athlete. come on, I played division one for, I got this thing. Start telling myself, my mind still tells me I'm an athlete, but how many of you know your body will tell you something different, okay? <laughs> I got this thing. And I invited some of our staff and some of my friends to run this race with me. I was so excited about this race, and I'm a pastor, so the day of, uh, we show up at the race, and I'm encouraging everybody, I'm hyping them up, I'm excited about this race, and I'm asking, y'all ready? They're looking at me, are you ready? I'm like, oh, come on now. I'm a Division I athlete, of course I'm ready, right? And as soon as this race begins, I'm giving it my all. I got my staff, I got something to prove, y'all. I'm going for it like I'm about to get paid to run this thing. <laughs> but how many of you know, after that first mile, <laughs> boy, that adrenaline will leave you. <laughs> that hype and that excitement is nowhere to be found, okay? And at this point in the race, I'm fighting for my life, y'all. <laughs> like, your boy is like, oh man, I don't know if we are gonna make it, but. If we, only, we, we better turn back right now. I'm ready to quit on this race. You know what's so funny about this? Oftentimes people that love to run, they talk about this thing called the second win. I'm still waiting for this second win, y'all. I mean, in that moment, I am, I'm done. I'm tapped out, I'm ready to quit. And I just wonder how many of us find ourselves in the same place when it comes to the idea of starting 2024. I wonder how many of us are really ready giving up and quitting on 2024 before it has even started. I wonder how many of us, before we have even gotten to the start line of 2024, we already said, you know what, 2023 was a mess. 2022 was filled with opposition and challenge and setback, therefore, I shouldn't expect anything different in 2024. I wonder how many of us are already giving up on the race, and I just want you to know as we go into 2024, this simple truth, there is a race that God has set before you. There is a race that God has set before you. And if you want to take hold of everything that God has for you in 2024, you got to run the race. And not only do you need to run the race, you need to finish the race. You got to run the race and you got to finish the race. You see, to run the race is to make the most of Jesus in your everyday life. It's waking up each and every day with an intention of running after Jesus. And friends, as we run after Jesus, this changes our life. It changes the way I view my spouse. This changes the way that I see my children. This changes the way that I parent my children. It changes every aspect. This changes the totality of my life. It changes the way you view other people, including that neighbor that you can't stand. It changes every aspect of your life. And when I run the race that God has set before me, 
I started showing up to my nine to five, not, not allowing the day to happen to me, but I'm living my life on mission, pointing people to Jesus. And the walls of my home, I don't come home after a day of work and sign out. No, I got to disciple these children. I got to run my race in the walls of my home. I'm not letting life happen to me, but instead I'm living my life on mission. And when I think about this term, run the race, we see it a few times throughout the New Testament. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his life. And he turns to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, and there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. You see, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I didn't just run the race, I finished the race. And because I finished the race, there is a reward for me in heaven, and it's eternity with Christ. That's my reward. And my question for you today is this, are you running the race in a way that you can be fully confident that you're gonna receive the reward? Are you running the race in a way that you can be confident that you will receive the reward? Are you waking up each and every day making a conscious decision to run the race, to pursue Jesus, to raise your kids in a way that honor God, to love your spouse in a way that honors God, but more importantly, to honor Jesus? Hear me on this. See, this isn't about a yearly goal. This is a daily pursuit we must have. Running the race is not about a yearly goal, this is a daily pursuit. And I want you to understand, God doesn't want you to just run the race. He wants you to finish the race. He wants you to finish the race. And if we're just being honest, how many of you know one of our greatest problems in life isn't starting things, but finishing things? Hence why our New Year's resolutions and goals last a week, right? Maybe you're like me, I'm gonna go to the gym five days a week in 2023. How long did that last? Maybe you're like me, I'm, I'm gonna get rid of this dad bod. The scale's going the other way though. <laughs> Maybe you made statements like, I'm gonna go to church consistently. I'm not gonna miss a weekend in 2023. But how many realize that these just become statements of intentions? They become statements of intentions. Men, you would resonate with this because I know your wife gets on you just like my wife gets on me. Take out the trash, she says. So what do I do? Go over to the trash can, get out the trash bag, put it in the trash can in the garage. But what do I fail to do? Finish the task. I never put a bag back in that thing. You know what I'm talking about? And all the wives are nudging their husbands, boy, you better get right. We, we fail to, to finish the task. But I want you to be reminded, we don't get the reward for just running the race. We gotta finish the race. We gotta finish the race. And I get passionate about this because there is a reward for us when we finish the race. We will meet him face to face and he will then look at us and say, well done, that good and faithful. Well done, thy good and faithful. When we finish the race, we leave an example for other people as to what it looks like to love Jesus, to faithfully serve Jesus, to faithfully live our lives on mission. Not only do we leave an example for other people, we leave an example for our children and our children's children. And this is bigger than just running a race for us and our reward. This is about leaving a legacy. 
It's about legacy. We've got to understand we're called to run in a way that leaves a legacy. There's a book uh, in 1996, a woman by the name of Linda Ellis, she wrote this book titled The Dash. And the premise of this book, I love this book so much, the premise of it is that each and every one of us, at the end of our lives, on our tombstone, there's going to be a start date and an end date. The start date is the day you were born. The end date is the day that you passed. But in between those two dates, there's a dash. I wonder, what is the story that your dash will tell? Will your dash be all about you or will your dash be about Jesus? And I think when, when we look at 2023 and when we look at where the world is today, we don't have a problem showcasing ourselves as much as we have a problem showcasing Jesus. I just wonder, will your dash showcase you or will it showcase Jesus? And if you ask me, I want to be a man that stands before God, that showcased Jesus, that was a man that was known as a guy who loved God, who loved his wife, who loved his children, and lived his life on mission, running the race that was set before me. Got to run the race, and it's bigger than just running a race. It's about leaving a legacy. See, when we read this text, it's important we understand that it doesn't say run our race. It says, run God's race. And I think some of us would go, but Pastor Mark, you know, I feel like I'm living my life on mission. I feel like I'm making much of Jesus. But in all actuality, instead of running God's race, you're running your race. You're running your race. And the Bible tells us that we're, we're called to run the race that God has set before us, but we get so caught up running our own race and we make our lives all about us, my achievements, my wants, the things that I desire in this life. My accomplishment, it's all about me. I was reading a book the other day and it talks about uh, the fact that we live with meistic living. I gotta be the center of all things. How do we know if we're living with meistic living? How do we know if we're living or running our race instead of God's race? Look at your prayer life. I just wonder, if God were to change all of your prayers, would it change just your, or answer all of your prayers, would it change just your world or the world? If God were to answer each and every one of your prayers, would it change just your world or the world around you? I think so often we, we lose sight of what it means to be kingdom-minded. Are you trying to advance your kingdom or God's kingdom? Are you set out to, to worry about your advancement or the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Some of us would be so confused when we meet him face to face and he says, no, you ran your race. But not only are some of us running our own race, I believe some of us are trying to run someone else's race. And can I tell you, Instagram is literally the biggest means behind all of this. We, we fall into a trap called the comparison trap. I want what they want or I want what they have and I wanna travel like them, I wanna live like them. I wish I had a husband that served me like that. I wish I had a house like theirs. I, I wish my spouse made some more money so we could travel the way they do. We're trying to run someone else's race. And I just want to remind you, the Bible says that God doesn't bless you when you're trying to run someone else's race. God blesses you when you run the race that he sets before you. Can't keep trying to run someone else's race. You've got to run the race that, that he sets before you. And I love the fact that Hebrews chapter 12, it's really a picture of a track athlete running after something. And as I thought about that, it brought me to this idea that you and I or any track athlete who's running a race, 
they don't get a reward when they run in someone else's lane. They don't get a reward when they run someone else's event. Friends, we got to get to a place where we're staying in our lane and running the race that God has set before us. Got to run the race. Got to run the race in 2024. And I don't want to just preach at you or teach you. I want to give you some practical steps to live this out. I don't want 2024 to just come and go. I don't want you to just allow this year to happen to you. I believe that God wants it to happen for you so you can take hold of everything that he has for you. So I want to give you four simple observations from this text that I believe are going to serve us as some practical application. And number one is this. If we want to run the race that God has set before us, we need to hold on to our faith. We need to hold on to our faith. Look at what it says in verse one. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, to the life of faith. And when you read this in its proper context, what you learn is the crowd of witnesses. It's a reference to many men and women who ran the race well and received the reward. And now this crowd, this crowd of witnesses, the men and women who ran the race and have received the award, now they're sitting down watching us as we go about running our race. And each and every one of these men and women, they were rewarded because they ran the race, not just ran it, but they finished the race. Now they're seated in the heavenly places. I think about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight, we hear about a man by the name of Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham, he was rewarded because of his obedience to God and his faithfulness to God. You see, Abraham, he finds himself in a place where he's comfortable. He has everything he needs in a specific land. He he has all of his desires being met, all of the things that he's ever known all his life. It's right there in this land. But then comes a moment where God speaks to him. He says, Abraham, I'm calling you to a new place. Abraham, I'm calling you to a new place. And I wanna bless you in that new place, Abraham. And what does Abraham do in this moment? Scriptures tell us he obeys God and he goes to that new land. You know, as I think about the life of Abraham and just that simple moment that we read about in Genesis 12 to 15, I just wonder, what is the thing that God is calling you out of? Or what is the thing that God is calling you into? But you won't take the step because you're just wrapped up in comfort. God, I got everything I need right here. God, I don't think that makes sense for me to go to that place, God. But God's just saying, would you trust me and would you obey me? Because if you do go, I will bless you and I will exceed your expectations because that's who I am. Not only do I think about Abraham, I think about Sarah. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, it tells us that Sarah, she was rewarded for her faith and her obedience and her trust in God. See, Sarah, she finds herself in a place where God speaks to her and tells her she's going to give birth to a child, but the scriptures actually tell us she was past the age of childbearing. But at the age of 90 years old, she gives birth to a child. She gives birth to a child at the age of 90 years old. And I just wonder, what have you chalked up as a loss because God hasn't answered on your timeline? God, I told you, I would give you to the end of the year to see this change. And it hasn't changed. God, I'm letting go of my faith. God, I, I can't believe that you, you could bless me. I can't believe that you could show up. I can't believe that you'll follow through on your promises. Can I tell you, even as a pastor, I struggle with this. There's people in my life, even people in my family, that for years I've been praying and believing would come to know Jesus. There's people in my life and people in my family that I've been praying for years would come back to Jesus. But still they haven't. 
There's been people in my life that I've been praying that God would restore their relationship. There's people in my family that I've been praying and believing God for healing, but still it hasn't happened. Can I tell you, it's so easy for us to give up, but just because it hasn't panned out on your timeline, friends, that doesn't mean God is dormant. I believe that God is a God of the impossible. He doesn't operate on your timeline. He operates on his. You know, one of the things I I read as a kid that always impact me is oftentimes, God doesn't dig the the soil for us. He puts a shovel in our hand and he, he tells us to dig. He tells us to keep on digging. And some of you need to understand, you find yourself in a spot where you need to keep on digging. You need to keep being dependent. You need to keep on calling on God and holding on to your faith and believing that God would do what he said he would do. He doesn't answer on your timeline, he answers on his own. There's people in this church that that have found themselves in places of great loss. They've held on to their faith and I've seen God turn around their situation. There's people in our church that came in on the cusp of divorce, but I've seen God restore their relationship. Gotta hold on to your faith, but not only do we need to hold on to our faith, the second thing I want you to understand is if we're gonna run the race set before us, we need to throw off every weight. We gotta throw off every weight. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one, it continues, it says, and let us strip off every weight that slows us down. You see, the weight, it's the things that are tripping us up and holding us back from doing what God has called us to do. The weight, it's the baggage in our life. And I know that the text, that it tells us we need to focus on the sin. I can talk to you about sin all day long. Yes, sin will trip you up. Yes, sin will keep you from walking in everything that God has for you. But we also need to talk about the baggage and the weight. It's the same reason why you don't see track athletes compete in a tracksuit. There's some weight that keeps them from doing what they're called to do. It's the the same reason why you don't run holding on to a bowling ball. (laughs) At least I hope not. (laughs) There's some weight. There's some weight that it doesn't make sense to do these things. It's the reason why you stop flying with Spirit Airlines. Because how many of you know them baggage fees, they costly. (laughs) The weight, it, it, it costs you something. And it will keep you from moving forward. From a very young age, I had a desire to to be an athlete and at about 12 years old, I had asked my father to get me a weighted vest for Christmas and my dad, he bought me this weighted vest for Christmas and uh, every single workout I would do for several months was with this weighted vest until I started experiencing some pain in my body, some unfamiliar pain in my chest and in my neck and in my shoulders and even in my joints. So I had my dad take me to the doctor and the doctor goes, Mark, I know you, you work out, I know you play sports, but is there anything that you are doing differently? And I began to tell him, you know, I've been training with a weighted vest. And my doctor, he, he looks at me, he goes, Mark, I want you to know the pain that you're experiencing is because your body wasn't designed to carry so much weight. Could it be that the pain that you are experiencing is because you are carrying some weight that you were not designed to carry? There's some weight that we gotta let go of. And for me in my own life, the weight that I've been working through, the baggage that I've been working through over the past year has been the weight of unforgiveness. So some of us, the weight that we're carrying is it's sin, some of us it's envy, some of us it's jealousy, some of us it's insecurity, some of us it's pride, some of us it's greed, but for me it's, it's unforgiveness. And I believe many of us, we got some pain from the past and it's led to some weight that's called unforgiveness in our life. 
found myself on this journey over the past year, working through the unforgiveness that I had towards specific people in my family. Some hurt, some pain from the past, things that were said to me as a kid and it still is affecting me 20 something years later. Some of us were so wounded over things that our parents said to us. You could be 50, 60, 70 something, still tripping over something that happened decades ago. Gotta deal with the weight, gotta deal with the weight. And I don't wanna be quick to move on from this, but the truth is some of us got real pain from the past and what we don't realize is not only is it affecting us, it's affecting those around us. You see, the weight that I had in my life, not only was it tripping me up, it was affecting my closest relationships. And what you need to realize is some people may not tell you, but you're bleeding on people that never even cut you. You're bleeding on people that that never wronged you, bleeding on people that never let you down, bleeding on people that never hurt you or harmed you. But you got some weight that you got to deal with. And oftentimes we get so tripped up on what people have done to us that we lose sight of what God has done for us. We got to talk about this because in Mark chapter 11, Jesus says, before you ask me for anything, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them just as I have forgiven you. 2024, we got we to start forgiving some people. Got to start letting go of some of the weight that's keeping us from living the life that God has called us to live. The third thing I want you to know is if we want to take hold of everything that God has for us, we got to run with endurance and expectation. We got to run with endurance and expectation. The verse continues, it says, and let us run with endurance. Somebody say endurance. endurance. The race that God has set before us. I've been in ministry almost a decade now, and it feels like now more than ever, I've been sitting down with so many people that are experiencing real hardship. Now more than ever in the time I've been in ministry, I'm sitting down with people who are really broken and really stuck and really challenged. I think about the countless amounts of families and couples and young adults that my wife and I have been able to sit with and have some real conversations about the hardship and the setbacks. And I know for some of you, it feels like in 2023, life knocked you down. I know for some of you, it feels like in 2023, there was so many people that let you down. I know some of us, we find ourselves in a place where the hardship in our life, it's a financial hardship. The loss of a job, the loss of a home, the loss of an income. Maybe it's not financial hardship, perhaps it's relational hardship. It's the tension between you and your parent. It's the tension between you and your child, your wayward child, your child who has strayed away from the things of God. For some of us, it's the tension that we have in our marriage, thrown around the word divorce when we said we would never do it at the altar. Not only is it relational tension or hardship, but for some of us, it's physical hardship. Some of us, we've got sickness in our body and we can't seem to find any answers and time and time again, it seems like setback after setback. There's always something. I just wanna remind you, if you find yourself in that place, that does not mean that God is not for you. That does not mean, and don't you think for a second, that doesn't mean God isn't with you. See that word race, when we look at it in the Greek, in its original language, It actually leads us to the word agonos, which is where we get the word agony. 
See, what the writer of Hebrews is telling us, even as I run after Jesus, even as I run this race, I'm going to experience some hardship, some setback, some opposition, some challenge in my life, but that is not indicative of my God. Because my God is faithful. And my God has given me a promise. See, not only do we need to run with endurance, we need to run with expectation because it's Jesus that said in John 16, verse 33, in this world you will have trouble. What does that mean? Even as I run after Jesus, I gotta expect some trouble in my life. But don't forget how he finishes that verse. Take heart, for I have overcome. I gotta expect trouble, but I also gotta live with expectation that there's a better outcome that I can't see on this side of the cross, but maybe, just maybe, on the other side of the cross, there's gonna be a greater promise that he has for me. See, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what do we do? We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but rather what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I don't focus on my circumstance, I focus on my Savior. I don't focus on my problems, I magnify His promise. See, some of us just need to get this reality that the Bible tells us in the very end there is a promise from God. In Revelations, it tells us that there will be a day when we meet Him face to face and He will wipe every tear and there will be no sickness or suffering in this body. Friends, we're going to be set free and walk in all He has for us got to hold on to his promise. I'm not magnifying my problem. I am magnifying the promise of God. Last thing I want you to know is the text says, how do we do all of this? How do we, how do we hold on to our faith? How do we throw off every weight? How do we run with endurance and expectation? The only way we do this is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We take hold of everything that God has for us. We run the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on Jesus by starting each and every day with Jesus. Practically, maybe for you, that looks like giving the first 20, 30 minutes of your day to Jesus. When you wake up in the morning, don't you dare grab that phone and start scrolling through Instagram. Don't you start going through them emails. Maybe you need to start getting in his word. One of my mentors once told me this, the best thing we could do before we go to sleep is throw our phone underneath our bed. So when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is get on our knees and pray. Gotta get on our knees. Gotta start having a practice of prayer. Gotta start having these spiritual disciplines in my life. Maybe it's not just reading his word. Maybe it's not just praying. Start meditating on scripture, start getting scripture in our heart. Some of us, we just need to worship. Start thanking God for all that he's done. Wake up and start giving gratitude to God. Start thanking him for all that he has done. And if you don't find anything to thank him for, you can thank him that he's given you life and breath in your lungs. Gotta start working some gratitude into my life. Hear me, it's not a yearly goal. This is a daily pursuit and a daily discipline. Just wonder, what's your step? What's your step? Maybe it's having some community, some people to come around you to help you run the race. 
Maybe it's saying yes to joining a small group, finally. Maybe it's getting some counsel for you and your husband or your wife. What's your step? want to take hold of what God has for you. You got to take the step and over time, watch how this changes you and changes your life from the inside out. And not only that, watch how it changes the way you view people. Watch how this changes the way you talk to your spouse. Watch how this changes the way you parent. But ultimately, if you take these steps, I believe it will change the desires of your heart. I believe it will restore your mind. I believe it will set you free. As we think about this verse in Hebrews 12 too, I don't want you to miss the most important part of this. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Why do we keep our eyes on Jesus? Because Jesus is the champion and perfecter of our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the champion. He is our sustainer. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our refuge. He's our restorer. He's our healer. He is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. We keep our eyes on Jesus because he completes our faith. We keep our eyes on Jesus because even when I feel like quitting, even when I feel like giving up on the race, he strengthens me to keep pressing on. He strengthens me. He strengthens me. He gives me everything I need. And if that's not enough for you, I want to remind you of what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. It says, oh, thank the, the Lord of heaven. Because of Jesus Christ, he has defeated sin, death, and the grave. He's defeated sin, death, and the grave. And I don't know about you, but when I hear that truth, I can't help but think, I want to run the race set before me because he never stopped running after me. I want to run the race after the God that never stopped running after me in my sin and my shame. So I don't know where you find yourself right now, but I believe we ought to respond with some faith. We ought to stand to our feet. We ought to thank God that he's been faithful. He's the same God who defeated sin, death, and the grave, and his promise will meet you right where you are. If you believe it, would you lift your hands? Would you proclaim that truth? He's the same God. He's the same God. He's the same God. We thank you, God. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.